Hello and what is up? Welcome to the Tour 12 Podcast. My name is Jay Heath Graham. Glad you joined us once again. We're diving off in today to Leadership Session 2. Hope you enjoyed Session 1. I mentioned this last podcast. I won't do this every single time on these Leadership Sessions, but here at the beginning I will. We're diving off into some new content here for 2019. Don't worry. If you're a diehard entertainment fan, we're still going to have the monthly entertaining podcast with guests on the show. This is just something we're bringing to the table in addition to what we were already doing. The leadership side of things is something I'm very passionate about, only because I've seen the results of it in my own life and the life of all of our businesses. And I know there were people there for me as we were growing and getting better in leadership and in business and in life and I love giving back a little bit of what we've been given a little bit of what we've learned and so that's what this is all about a lot of this content is simply entry-level stuff so if you are a student of leadership and you have been for years and years some of this may seem very elementary to you that's okay I hope you are a student of leadership long before you ever got to the Tour 12 podcast but if you're not I'm hoping this can be something you find beneficial in your own life. I know it's helped us, and I know it'll help you as well. Today, we're diving off into session two. In session two, we're going to be discussing the keys to making money in any industry. We're we'll talking about some principles that I've seen work in multiple areas in life and multiple businesses, and I believe they are keys to making money in any industry. It's a pretty bold statement. But I stand behind the statement because I've seen it work. I was recently at a trade show and I had someone walk up to me and ask a question. And this was the question, how do you make money in this industry? Now they were referring to the outdoor industry when they asked this question. And I'll be honest with you without hesitation. I said, ma'am, it's pretty simple. Number one, we never focus on money. Number two, we solve problems. Number three, we over-exceed expectations. And number four, I don't say a word unless I'm asked. Now, I'll be honest. I'll admit, number four was a little bit geared directly towards this individual um, who asked me the question due to the fact they had just finished telling me how amazing they were in more than one skill set in life, none of which they did for an occupation, by the way. So I was somewhat joking around about number four. We're not going to even hit that today because that could be a whole another subject the subject of being quick to listen before you speak it's actually a great principle for life quick to listen slow to speak slow to become angry that little principle can help you in all kinds of areas in life if you're a married male listening to the podcast you can say I know that's right but we are going to focus on three things, really two, to be honest with you, because number one takes care of itself when you apply number two and number three. But this question sparked this topic of discussion for me, and so I wanted to pass it along to you, hoping it'll help. But here's a thought. Just because you know how to take a picture doesn't necessarily mean you know how to run a business of photography. No different than myself knowing how to play the game of baseball It doesn't mean I have what it takes to make a living playing the game of baseball. 
there's several factors that separate individuals who are successful from those who are not. You know, we're all good at certain things up to a certain level. For instance, some of you didn't know this about me, but I can play the guitar to a certain level. I actually used to travel and do music in front of a fairly good amount of people to a certain level. I used to play college football up to a certain level. Some of the things I've referenced I couldn't go on with because I didn't have the God-given ability to go to the next level. But the things I'm going to reference today are things that you can control that will take you to the next level. At the end of the day, they'll allow you to be more successful, I believe, in any industry. Rather, you own a business or aspiring to own your own business or you work within a company right now and you want to see yourself grow within that company. There are principles that can help you get there and be successful. Again, I don't claim to be an expert when it comes to this. I can tell you we work with somewhere in the ballpark of around 30 companies within the outdoor industry right now. At some level, we do marketing with some a lot more than we do for others. And this is just some of the things I've seen work within our own organization. That's all this is. Hopefully it helps. It'll make a little bit of sense. So let's dive off into this. The keys to making money in any industry. This is what I believe it looks like. Number one, this is just what we do. It seems to have worked for us. But number one is we never focus on money. Now, obviously, it takes money to survive. Don't take this out of context. I'm not saying it's not important. All I'm saying is if you want to make more money, then you need to focus on the how more than the it, if that makes sense. This is just what I've noticed in our line of work. I think the principles here can work in any field. When you do number two and three, which we're about to discuss, often the money is a result of those. In other words, it takes care of itself. So number one, we don't focus on money. Number two, this is where it gets a little bit... Number two, this is where the rubber begins to meet the road. Number two, we solve problems. Notice I said we, meaning if I don't have an answer, I will find someone who does. That is an element of problem solving. The reality is I don't know everything. I don't have an answer to every single problem I've ever ran into. Neither do you. Let's be willing to admit that. Now, just because I don't have an answer doesn't mean it's not out there. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm actually going to be pretty bold with this statement. This is not for everyone, but this is for someone. I may even throw out a fake stat, but it's got to be fairly accurate. I'm going to go out on a limb and say 90% of everything you want to know in life right now is already out there on the good old world wide web. Most people that don't solve problems, often there's a deeper rooted issue, and I believe it's called the gift of laziness. The fact is, it's not a matter of if people can solve problems or not. A lot of times, it's just a fact of people not being willing to put forth a little effort to solve the problem. It's been several months ago now, but I can look back and remember whenever I was considering bringing all my man Cody Berry to the team. Some of you know him as Cody the Producer Man. The main reason I wanted Cody to be on the team, beyond just our friendship and beyond the fact I knew he stood for integrity, like Cody Berry is the definition of integrity. <laughs> but beyond all of those like serious things like character, which I knew he already had, 
because I've known Cody for a long time. If I were just looking at Cody from a strictly a work standpoint, like even beyond his skill set, I knew he was a problem solver. And when you're a problem solver, the skill set becomes irrelevant, obviously, to a certain extent, because you can figure out anything. And if you can't figure it out, you'll find somebody who can help you figure it out. That's Cody Berry. I knew he could solve problems. I don't know if I've ever given him a problem or if he's ever even come across a problem that he couldn't figure out on his own. Doesn't mean he doesn't ask from time to time or look for help. We all do. But literally, I knew Cody could solve problems within the given space that we operate in. Maybe you can relate. In the last several years, I've been shocked at some of the questions I get. Not only some of the questions I get, but I've shocked myself with some of the questions I've even asked. I'm not letting myself off the hook here. Just for example's sake. Questions like, hey, do you know the address to the Arkansas State House Convention Center? Like if I would have sent that text to a friend of mine, it would have took longer to send that text and wait on a response than it would have just to look it up myself. So how do we solve problems? First, we got to take a little self-initiative. Try and figure it out before you start implementing the we aspect of solving problems. Help yourself look good, in other words. How do we solve problems? I believe there could be more, but there's at least three things we try to do. We ask specific questions. For example, what's the biggest problem you're facing with your company right now? Maybe it's delegation. Maybe it's time management. Maybe it's sales. That's a common one. Often, the answer is sales. Every company I've ever talked to generally would like more sales, right? And so guess what? There's a process to more sales depending on the level you anticipate being able to sell. You need to have an answer. If you can solve that problem for companies, you'll never have to worry about the money aspect of business. And obviously it depends on the level you anticipate selling. For example, you don't just walk into a a Walmart or a Tractor Supply or an Academy or a Bass Pro or Cabela's and they're just going to put your product on a shelf shelf simply because you have a product. They have hundreds of meetings a week with companies just like you or your company wanting the same thing. They all want a little shelf space. They're going to want to know what you're doing to help the product move off their shelf. And so it's probably important to be facilitating a marketing strategy that proves to them You're building a brand worthy of a relationship. Matter of fact, your product needs to help them solve a problem. We could do an entire podcast on sales, really. I probably don't need to rabbit trail there. But sales is just a common problem that many companies face. It could be a multitude of other things. But we need to ask specific questions. Let me pause right there for a sec. All of that previous information I just mention is referring to business because we do need to ask specific questions but let me mix in a little bit of life right quick for all of you that have been told there's no such thing as a stupid question can i just say that's a lie that is a lie i've had people tell me that i'm sure you probably had people tell you that there are such things as stupid questions let me prove my point a lot of us listening right now are hunters Let me just set up a what-if scenario. Let's say you and I are in a tree together. I'm the cameraman. I'm filming you for a television show. You're the hunter. We're bow hunting. 
you're in the stand just below me. I'm filming just above you. And you have a Nikon laser rangefinder in your hand because that's our preference of choice. And a deer walks out. You have the rangefinder in your hand. The deer walks out and you look at me and say, how far is that deer? That, my friend, would be a stupid question due to the fact you have the Nikon laser rangefinder in your hand. My point is there is such a thing as a stupid question. Just as I previously mentioned about asking the question where the Arkansas State House Convention Center is, what was that address? That was a stupid question. It would have made more sense for me to look it up myself. Let me give you my personal definition of a stupid question. Any question in which you have failed to think about the possibility of the answer being right in front of you potentially could be a stupid question. That's how I would define it anyway. I'm sure you could make up your own definition. If you're a parent, I'm sure you've dealt with a few stupid questions in raising children. All I'm saying is if you want to grow your influence in the realm of business in any industry, I think it's wise to think before you speak. You need to know the people you're attempting to earn trust with are watching and listening to everything you say. So we need to ask specific questions and hopefully not stupid questions that could cost you your opportunity. Back to business. How do we solve problems? We supply solutions. We have to come up with solutions if we want to be successful in any industry. If I don't know the answer, I ask who knows what I need to know. Is it Google? Is it another expert in my field? Put in the time, put in the energy and research to supply a viable solution. The next one is big. This is huge when it comes to solving problems. Specific questions. We supply solutions and then we give expectations. This is huge. We give expectations. How long will the process take? How much will this cost? How is the money being spent? This is important. A lot of people miss this one. But it's the last thing you do before you go to the next step. The next step is actually exceeding expectation. But before you exceed the expectation, you set the expectation. That's what gives you the ability to exceed it. Only you know what you're capable of. Give yourself room to look good. If they set the expectation for you and it's unrealistic, then you need to speak up right then. Otherwise, you're allowing them to set you up for failure. It's part of how we solve problems. We ask specific questions. We supply solutions. We give expectations so that, number three, we can exceed the expectation. We create space for us to be able to exceed the expectation. That right there, my friend, can help facilitate you getting a long way in any industry. You don't only win with people, but you win in business. Because you win in business, you can win in life and take care of those that matter most to you. Exceeding expectations is number three, and it's pretty much self-explanatory. So I'm just going to give you some examples of how this could look or does look from time to time in our field. Let's say we're doing a project for a company. That's what we do. We make a living creating content, doing marketing. Let's say we're doing a project that is estimated to be around, I don't know, $15,000. One of the biggest complaints I've heard across the board in multiple industries is we went over budget. How many times have you heard that in life? Let's just take the construction market, just for example. 
I mean, how many times have you ever heard someone built a house or built a new office or a facility and said, you know what, we came in way under budget? I mean, I'm sure it does happen from time to time, but you know as well as I do, for the most part, people tend to go over budget, especially when it comes to building a home. I can relate because we just built a home just a few years ago. I can promise we didn't come in under budget. And what we see happen a lot of times in a lot of ministries is people will bid jobs at a certain price point to get the job, knowing in the end they have you and they can bill you more in the long run. And what happens often is two things happen. Number one, you begin a process of discrediting yourself when it comes to trust and potentially not having a client for the long term. see it all the time. What would happen, and this is a little bit out of line for the way our culture operates, I believe, but what would happen if every single time you bid a job or a proposal, when you sent the final invoice, it was less than what they were expecting? The way that happens is by creating the expectation from the get-go. When you create space and give enough room, then you can do that. I challenge you to try it if you own your own business. Try one time coming in lower than what they were anticipating and see how they respond to you. Watch how you develop a new level of trust and respect from that client. We've seen it happen over and over again. It doesn't mean there aren't instances and cases where jobs end up being more. Maybe there's more requests, more demand added prior to the initial proposal. That does happen as too, so I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just generally speaking. Try it and see what happens. It's just one way you can exceed expectations. I personally believe that mindset will work in any industry. It can allow you to have long-term success. I love this idea of living your passion, man. It's something I'm very passionate about myself. It's something we do every day. Every single day, it's not like we work today because we love what we do. And if you were to ask me, Heath, how do you live your passion? How do you make a living doing something you absolutely love? This is where I would start. I would say, don't focus on money. Focus on your passion. Learn to solve problems. Learn to solve problems in an industry you're passionate about. Then go exceed expectations. When someone gives you a task, go above and beyond in every aspect possible and see what happens. I promise you'll be better for it. You'll develop some trust. You'll develop some long-term relationships. And one of these days, you'll be glad you did. Thank you so much for joining us for the leadership sessions of the Tour 12 podcast. Our goal is to help you live your passion in business, leadership, and life. And we would love to hear how these conversations are impacting you. If you want to share your story or give us feedback, hit us up on Instagram or email us at feedback at tour12.com. As always, it would mean a lot to our team if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes and invite your friends to join us in living their passion.